G'day, my name's Adam Draycott. It's great to be sharing God's Word with you today. We continue our series in the parables of Jesus. Uh, We're in Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. Uh, But before we continue, let us bow our heads and pray. Loving Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts uh, through your Word, that you would grow us in Christ Jesus Uh, All to your praise and glory we ask in his precious name. Amen. I want to start by asking you today, do you ever long for the so-called glory days of church life in our diocese? Uh, Once upon a time, Sunday was a community day. Uh, Was it? 80 to 100 years ago, all would seem to descend on town to gather, to church, share over picnic lunch after church and then the mandatory game of tennis or cricket uh, whilst a bit of farming business might have been done as well, no doubt. Uh, I looked at our archive, opened up a register uh, 30 to 40 years ago. Our meetings were full to overflowing across all morning and evening church services. And maybe you're old enough to remember those days and maybe as we look at the way history has played out, maybe we wonder why the kingdom of God is seemingly not progressing as we might expect. Some might suggest that uh, Christendom has gone backwards, uh, that there's decline in our churches. I don't know what you think about that. Uh, The question then might be, how do we go when the kingdom of God is seemingly not advancing as we might expect? Is this a question the disciples had to grapple with? How how did they think the kingdom of God would roll? Did they think the kingdom of God was something that would come with power, uh, that it would arrive all at once with mighty force? All of these parables, I think Jesus has been reframing the disciples' thinking about the kingdom of God Uh, but also our thinking about the kingdom of God is being reframed as well. In these verses, in Mark chapter 4, 26 to 29, we're going to read how Jesus instructed and encouraged his disciples not to stop sharing the gospel and to trust that the Lord would use their efforts to eventually bring in a plentiful harvest. And so these are words that should encourage us. They're words that should remind us of our part in God's mission, but also these words remind us of the limits. Verse 26 introduces the parable. It helps us to see our task. Verse 26, Jesus also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So this parable is about... The kingdom of God, what is it like? A man scatters seed on the ground. Wow, that's profound. Uh, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God is coming through the scattering of seed. 
It's a lot like the parable of the sower that's earlier on in chapter 4. And in verse 14 of chapter 4, in the parable of the sower, what is, what is the seed? It tells us that the farmer sows the word. It's the word that's being sown and it's similar here. This parable, the parable of the growing seed, is clearly saying that the task given to us now is to sow the seed, to spread God's word. And can I say what a joy and what a privilege it is to do that? And maybe you know that joy and privilege too in your ministry. I do wonder, though, as we think about our ministries, whether it's Sunday school or youth group or teaching scripture or having a lay a preaching ministry, maybe uh, you're sharing your faith in the workplace, whatever the case might be, I wonder if you've ever been at uh, one of those events and you've left feeling deflated and discouraged. You've taught uh, a youth group meeting or, or scripture and you've wondered what on earth was the point because it maybe didn't go so well, didn't go according to your plans. People didn't seem interested. Could be anything. It's true for some people. Some people, they're just going to keep at it anyway, aren't they? They're relentless. They keep pushing. It drives them. They just don't take no for an answer. And there are some people built that way. Maybe you're someone who, uh, who retreats uh, and having made the effort and being rejected, it just confirms all your fears and they're multiplied. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like some, well, maybe you're, you're tempted to dream up a new gimmick. This doesn't work, so you'll try something else in order to draw people in. I have some examples from Britain where in 2018, Britain is a country where 14% of the population identifies being Church of England. That's not the number that goes to church. It's just the number that's ticked the census and say, we're C of E. Now, this was reported in the New York Times. So this is an international story. And here's the photo. One photo from Norwich Cathedral. They installed a 55-foot-tall helter-skelter, it is called. And for two pounds, you can go for a slide. And they interviewed, the New York Times interviewed the reverend who was in charge of mission and he is quoted as saying, this is a deliberate attempt to help people engage with our cathedral. People are going to see the cathedral in all its glory. This is a bloke who's in charge of mission. What do you think he thinks the mission is? And that Sunday sermon, apparently, it's reported, it was delivered from on top of the ride, though I'm not told what was preached on. Maybe the title of the sermon was something like, Thou shalt not backslide. Who's to know? The Dean of Litchfield Cathedral, he said, such initiatives were not cheap marketing tricks but they were decisions made out of serious pastoral concerns. Who knew uh, a ride on a helter-skelter could solve 
your pastoral needs. Who knew that? I certainly didn't know that. That is news to me. Over in Rochester Cathedral, you can play mini golf, nine holes. See, hit a golf, will fix anything, apparently. Even mini golf. But do you see what's happening here? What happens when ministry seems to be tough and the soil seems hard and you wonder what on earth is God doing? What happens is church buildings become the theatre of cheap gimmicks, juggling acts and clowns. And can I say the same temptation can happen with children's and youth ministry? None of this is new, by the way. Uh, Children's and youth ministries, every ministry goes through seasons and cycles. And when things get thin, I've heard the temptation is always to depart from the main thing, the actual mission, the actual why, the reason you run these ministries. And, And the temptation then is to make it about other things. So like games are easy and entertainment and uh, having a safe place where our children can just hang out or our teenagers, get them off the street. That's the mission after all. Get the numbers through the door. And don't worry, it might be said, don't worry about the Bible because you're just going to put them off anyway. I've heard that. That's how it rolls. And when people say that, they're relegating what is ministry, they're relegating it to something that's equivalent to babysitting or after-school care, which have their place, but it's not the mission of the church, is it? And why does it happen? Fundamental reason this happens is because people lose confidence in the power and authority of God and his word. And so we end up believing somehow that any gimmicky alternative is going to be better, more attractive, more effective than God and his word that he's given to us. The temptation is to believe that those gimmicks are going to be more attractive and more effective than God's message of hope and love and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. It gets traded for something like nine holes of mini golf. That's right. But do you see what the kingdom of God is like here? It's something to be spread out and shared and sown and proclaimed. Here is the mission of God, where his people are sharing his word and trusting God to bless it. Verse 27. The man has scattered the seed on the ground, verse 27, night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. How does the growth happen? Sower doesn't know. Farmer doesn't know. He just sows. The rest, it just happens. It's not his responsibility. But see, it's the seed that sprouts and grows. The power to grow and thrive lies in the seed, which means it is the power of God's word 
that will always accomplish that for which it has been sent. Isaiah 55.11 says, God is saying, My word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to be empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve for the purpose for which I sent it. See, God's word goes out and it never returns to him void. It always achieves it always achieves what he determines. It always does what God deems it to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. So there's a reward in this work. Verse 9, for we are co-workers in God's service, you are God's field. God is the one who makes things grow, which means that God's kingdom is an active, dynamic, vibrant kingdom and see who else is active in the kingdom of God. It's not only God. Who else is active? You are. We are. We are workers in God's service as we go about his work. So do you see our part in God's local mission? I choose the word local deliberately. Our part, our responsibility, is to spread the word, trusting that everything else is God's department. See, Tinika and I, uh, we are so privileged to hear your stories as you share with us how you have shared your faith. And sometimes our stories are tinged with sadness and disappointment, aren't they? Because they don't go the way we hope or the way we might expect and, and that can fit, make us feel hurt or frustrated. And, and we sense that and we understand that. But as your pastors who love you, when we hear about our mob sharing their faith and having courage and giving it a crack, doing this scattering the seed, we know your disappointment is real, but we know we stand back and we just praise God that he's at work in you, in your hearts, that by his spirit he's moving you to say something, to spread the word, to speak of God's love and his importance and significance to you in your life. Uh, as you open up the word or, or point people to Jesus. Uh, that is so encouraging. Uh, we delight in that. Uh, Tinica and I, we praise God that our mob are going about the task of scattering the seed, sharing God's word. Uh, you're sharing the gospel and it's not without cost. I hear that. We know that. Uh, but no, we rejoice and I believe God rejoices as we open up God's word and point people to Jesus. Heaven rejoices.
So is God growing his kingdom here in Inverell? And I want to say to you, in the hearts of God's people, absolutely. It's been great uh, to see new faces at St Augustine's. Not so much <laughs> the past few months, it's rather difficult. Uh, but it is good to see God growing his people, that we are meeting our mission of growing in Christ. Do we see God growing his people slowly and steadily and gradually and quietly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how God gets it done. And all of it is underpinned by this ministry of God's word, which you share in. A word that tells us that Christ died for me. A word that tells us that Christ died as me. A word that tells us that Christ now lives in me. A word that tells us that Christ now lives through me. He lives through us, even in a COVID-19 world, especially in a COVID-19 world. So we keep doing our part. And we do our part without taking responsibility for that which is not our responsibility. We don't take responsibility for that which is God's. And so the growing bit, leave it to him, entrust it to him. We scatter and we prayerfully entrust the rest to our Heavenly Father. Notice it takes time for scattered seed to grow. Won't hope happen overnight. There's nothing spectacular here. It's slow and steady, but it does happen. And God has his timetable. In fact, the previous parable, the parable about the sower, hold serious reservation about seed that seems to grow too quickly, where it just seems, well, look, it's almost too good to be true. Verse 5 speaks about that. It's described as shallow. But here is the encouragement from verse 29. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. See the encouragement. We do not need to fear that the kingdom of God will not succeed. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances are, whatever your situation, you do not need to be afraid that the kingdom of God will not succeed. It will not triumph. It will not bear fruit. You don't need to be afraid of that. Because here is a promise of blessing and reward and great joy at a harvest. And so we need to feel revealed. Uh, we need to feel relieved by verse 29. We need to see that God will do it, that he will do it the way he chooses, when he chooses, that his kingdom will come in just as he has ordained it to and that we will share in the fruits of all that and the rewards of all that and the blessings. Because, I mean, let's face it, no one plants a crop for nothing. And if we're out scattering the seed on behalf of God, he is saying to us, this is not for nothing. It is not the proclamation of God's word. Sharing our faith, pointing people to Jesus is never for nothing. So we can't be certain that all our friends will turn to Christ. That is true. But we can be certain that God does not demand from us what only he can do. 
He will gather his people. And when Christ returns to bring in the harvest, there will be a multitude from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. He will do it in his time until the task, until the work is completed. And so, brothers and sisters, let us keep scattering the seed of the gospel. Let us reap the, the rewards as we do God's work. Let's keep pointing people to Jesus. That's the mission. And as we point people to Jesus with our Bibles open, let us also prayerfully marvel at what God will be doing through his word. Amen.